is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. This is Jimmy Scroggins here with my partner in crime, Steve Wright, at, in our offices at Family Church. And those sounds you may hear in the background, jackhammers, saws, it's hammers. Awesome. It's awesome. We are under construction. We're not using that as a spiritual metaphor. We are literally under construction <laughs> all around us, Steve. Hey, last episode, we started a series about multi-site. And we talked about why we do multi-site here at Family Church. We gave five reasons that churches of any size should consider going multi-site, but today we're going to talk about how we're doing multi-site here in South Florida. So Steve, let's talk about how we do that. All right, absolutely. Well, Jimmy, obviously how's a really good question because there's no one size fits all way to do church, right? A lot of ways to skin the cat. There's a lot of ways. And so you and I believe that there's no one prescribed model for how we do church in the New Testament. And if you look around the U.S. and other parts of the world, there's not even consensus among very uh, biblically-centered, gospel-centered churches that you and I know, love, and respect. I mean, right. There's not even consensus among Southern Baptist churches, and that's our tribe. And we, we're we all over the map on ecclesiology as well. Absolutely. So, you know, when you look across uh, the U.S., I mean, man, we celebrate this, but there's a huge house church movement that's exploding in the U.S. and around the world. And for that, we're so grateful there are large churches in the U.S. that are using video venues. Some of them are using live preaching. And for that, we say, yay, God. Some churches meet in public schools. Others meet in shopping centers and others meet in theaters. And for that, you and I would say, wow, you know, we're not going to make the argument over the container. We're going to celebrate That's right. the content of the gospel. That's right. And so all of these churches are doing it a little bit differently. Some meet, you know, different nights of the week. Some offer multiple services on Sunday. But here at Family Church, we have embraced and adopted a parish model of how we're doing church. And when we talk about that, a lot of people may not understand what we mean by that. Could you explain that? Yeah, for us, the parish model means that our church has four things that make us one church. And they are these. We have one name, Family Church. We have one leadership structure. We have one constitution and bylaws that governs our church. And we have one budget. So we have a common name, common budget, common leadership structure, common constitution and bylaws. These make us one church. However, this church has multiple expressions in multiple locations with multiple leadership teams and live preaching at every one of them. And we call those expressions campuses or churches. We currently have eight of those. By February, we'll have 11 of those. We do think what we're doing is biblically sound. And we talked about this on the last episode, but by biblically sound, we mean consistent with the teaching and the pattern that we see in the New Testament. We think that this model lets us multiply, but have one DNA. And so we like to say that our churches or our campuses have a strong family resemblance, but just like the Scroggins kids, and there are eight of those, have a strong family resemblance. If you get to know them, they're really not alike. They're very unique, just like the right children. I know all of your kids, Steve, and they are. there's a strong family resemblance, but they are very different from one another. And that's the way we want our churches or our campuses, the parishes in the parish model. That's the way we want it to be. So it takes a lot of effort and there are a lot of different ways we could program all of this. But for us, the parish model helps us transfer 
the family church DNA. So there's a common family church experience and helps us keep advancing the gospel. And it creates all kinds of synergy between our congregations and our leadership teams. Well, synergy is a great word, Jimmy. I, I don't know if there's like a word that is one level up from synergy. That might describe our team a little bit more, but yeah. we, we, <laughs> our team definitely has a lot of synergy and a lot of energy, and uh, they are definitely all in. Well, in our episode 11, we talked about our leadership pipeline and our launch initiative, which really is a ministry that our launch leaders developed, our worship it's team. It's incredible. It's incredible. If you haven't listened to that episode, you need to check it out, especially if you're wanting to give a shot the arm to your worship team and your worship ministry. But one of the things that this uh, ministry has done in this launch initiative is they have really helped focus and driven our vision and our DNA into all of the people that they're training. And so right. when you think about this idea of leadership pipeline and people getting it from the grassroots level, all grassroots levels all the way through the rest of our ministry. I mean, launch is a great example of how uh, just in one of our you know training programs, our pipeline of how we really inject DNA into all that we do. And this this type of synergy really isn't accidental and it doesn't happen by osmosis. It p- comes through intentional training. And so this is amazing and it really helps us advance the mission and vision. Well, this this really this idea that something could happen in our worship ministry, our student ministry, our children's ministry, and all of it is synced up. Synergy is the right word. All of it syncs together to drive the mission and the vision of a family church. I think it goes back to our structure. I think the parish model actually creates the environment and the mechanism for pressing that DNA out through a growing uh, organization. Uh, Steve, you and I work really hard to make sure that our campus pastors and all of our leadership teams and all of our leaders see themselves as an extension of my leadership right. and vision of the church and not an alternative to my leadership. And it's not that I think I'm the Pope or that I'm so great. It's just that our church has a pastor led model. And so one of the temptations and one of the reasons why a lot of guys don't do a parish model, they're afraid of rebellion. So they're afraid that if I, if I empower a local uh, congregation's leadership too much, I'm going to end up with some kind of an insurrection or they're going to take and, and go off, and leave us. Yeah, they're going to have a mutiny over there. (laughs) And the reason that they do that is because they don't have a structure that creates synergy. They don't have a structure that builds loyalty, friendship, faithfulness, brotherhood, collaboration. And when you do that, you can tell these men and women, hey, look, I need you to be an extension of my leadership, not an alternative to my leadership. And you and I spent a lot of years in our ministry as uh, second men, sometimes further down than that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that God taught us early on was that we were to be an extension of the leadership of our lead lead pastors. And you and I have done that faithfully for many years. And now that we're in more of a lead pastor role ourselves, we have the opportunity to train others to do that. And that's the way that a church works the best. And look, if for all of our church, for the rest of us listeners, it doesn't matter if you're in church of 200, 500, 5,000, this phrase, teach your team to be an extension of the leadership and vision of the church, not an alternative to it. That's a powerful, powerful concept. Well, Jimmy, one of the things that we really work on is elevating the role of the campus pastors. And, you know, one of the things that we do that, I mean, our, our campus pastors feel like they can speak in and have input into everything we do. And more than just listen to them, these guys are actually shaping every single thing at every level of our organization. And so, 
these guys are really involved and you know very bought into the things that we're doing and really the mission and vision of our church. Yeah, and that's so crucial for two reasons. One, they are responsible for driving the vision and mission of our church with their own leadership teams that they oversee, as well as with the congregation that they're leading and shepherding. But the second reason why it's so important is we're counting on them. Ownership. To own it and innovate. Right. Right. So I need them to innovate within the context of the vision and mission of our church. And I need them to innovate so that that innovation can roll up the chain and be shared with other con- with other uh, churches and congregations. So I need them to be able to do this from the heart so that when they get when they when they when they hit on an innovation that actually works, I don't want them to hoard it. Right. I don't want them to sit over there and be protective of it. I don't want them to feel too much personal ownership of it. I want them to immediately go, "Wow, this was an innovation we tried for our membership process or our invitation or our first impressions team or our student ministry." And I want them to immediately bring that back to the table so that all of our churches, all of our congregations can learn from it. And that can only happen in a synergistic, collaborative environment where people feel empowered and affirmed, but people have the clarity of vision and leadership. Well, we're actually benefiting from that a lot. I mean, all of our guys are piloting new things. They're trying new things. We have a lot of innovators. We have a lot of entrepreneurs on our team. And these guys are always trying things. They're always learning things. Yeah. You know, and and the benefit of that is as they're out there, you know, trying these different initiatives, our whole organization benefits from it. No question. No question about it. And one of the ways that we really see that is in our system of live preaching. So we have at every campus, we have live preachers. Now, I want to say to all of our listeners, the proven method for growing churches bigger and faster is video venue. So the biggest multi-site churches, the most prominent multi-site churches in America are all video venue. And you and I are really smart. I mean, immediately as we learned that and seen that, we... We decided to do something different than the most <laughs> successful people. That's that's who we are. Well, Jimmy, you know, back in the day, you always had the, the worship wars, right? So you, right. Had, you had these, you know, huge battles over contemporary or traditional music. I mean, these guys were like making biblical cases for it. I <laughs> right. Mean, you know, it's like, yeah. it was really intriguing. Bloggers, it seems funny now, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. funny then. No, 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 no. They, it was, these guys had the battle scars on their back. Well, Today, we're not really arguing about that, but one of the things that is an argument in some churches is this idea of video venue versus live preaching, right? So, you know, which one is more biblical, which one is more effective? Talk to us a little bit, because we did land on the the side of the fence on live preaching. Talk to us a little bit about that decision. Well, there's there's several reasons we we came to that. All right, let let me just tell you the pragmatic reasons first, but then there's some actually some better reasons. Pragmatic reasons we, yeah. the pragmatic reasons are important. The pragmatic reasons are a, it's expensive to do video venue well. And in our environment in South Florida, there are several churches that do video venue just first class as as good or better than anybody else in the world is doing it. Christ Fellowship, one of our sister churches, Todd Mullins is pastor, my dear friend, your dear friend. Right. I mean, we partner with them. We love Christ they do Fellowship. It pretty good. But they do video venue incredible. Just the level of production, the production values, the kind of cameras that they have, the makeup artists, the you know the teams, the, just everything that they right. have is done with it's such phenomenal. a level of excellence that if we were to come in and try to, you, you're just not going to be able to show some some one camera shot of of my head on on some screen, and that's not going to work here because Christ Fellowship has set the standard. This is what it's got to be if you do video venue here. And then we have Life Church, and we love Life Church, and Life Church reaches 
reaches all kinds of people that are that are disaffected with church that that want something different. And we love Life Church. They're good friends of ours here in our community. But they do Craig Rochelle does video venue just off the charts. And these guys are world, world, world class communicators. And so we just kind of felt like trying to go if somebody wants first class communicators on a video screen with first class production values, that is here. Yeah. And it's, why, why jump into that red ocean? Yeah, because it's it's those guys are doing that really, really well. And so we felt like for us that we the blue ocean of more boutique congregations, three to eight hundred, with a with a with a local leadership team that they can see and touch and hear from and can come have lunch with them and they can be in each other's homes. That's where we felt like we'd be the most effective in our community. Those are the pragmatic reasons. Now let me give you some even better reasons. All right. We felt like live preaching allows us to raise up more gifted preachers. If you really only have one or a, or a very few public communicators, then that sends the message to everybody in your church and on your team. If you can't preach as well right now as these guys, you're never going to get an opportunity to preach because every time out's got to be a home run because you're preaching to multiple congregations of thousands and thousands and thousands. There's no venue to develop a young preacher who has to find a way to get started. There's also, there are certain preachers who are gifted and talented and effective in a room of a hundred that will never be gifted and talented and effective in a room of or a, a video venue with, with 20,000. And so what about that guy? What about the guy who's effective in a room of 500 or a room of a thousand? And so this lets us recruit and train gifted preachers that God's given to our church. And finally, we just think at the end of the day, we like the idea of a pastor shepherd that people can actually see uh, you know, one of the, one of the complaints about a video venue screen, which I think is legit is, uh, that video screen isn't going to come visit you in the hospital. Now, look, um, I don't go visit everybody in the hospital. So in any large church, this, this stuff would all be true, but I still think the idea that if I want to, if I need to, I can go down there and shake that guy's hand. I can ask him to pray with me. I can, I can set up an appointment with him. I've heard him preach. I, I just think there's something powerful about being physically present with the people that you're leading and, and teaching. Well, you know, one of the things, Jimmy, when you think about just if you want to be morbid for a second, you know, you just think if the worst case scenario, I happens, would like to be morbid, keep going. <laughs> you know, if the worst possible thing happened to Jimmy Scroggins, you know, he hits, he hits hit by a bus. You know, one of the things that we want to be true of our ministry over the decades is that we have recruited, identified, recruited, trained, you know, really hundreds and thousands of young men of that's God right. and preachers. And so that's what we're trying to do. And, you know, by God's grace, it's effective. And we we thank the Lord. And we would say to all of the guys that are actually doing, you know, the screen live video or the, the video venue, man, we, we, man, we celebrate yeah, that. Yeah, we bless we're, it. Yeah, we bless it. We're, if it's God's so, using it, it's working. Absolutely. Absolutely do it. So, and I, and we're not promised, we're not drawing lines in the sand. We may, we may one day do video venue as well. Sure so we, we don't have a theological opposition to it. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, obviously there's, there's a lot of air war, ground war conversation about this. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you're trying to do as you're casting vision about this. And, you know, you, you've done a great job casting vision because a lot of this idea of why we're doing live preaching is really tied up in our mission and vision. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that, because from a vision standpoint, that really connects. Well, we think that vision in a church is best driven from the pulpit. We think that's the number one place. Now, what happens in a church, if you go to live preaching, like in our church, 
I preach at the largest campus, but I preach to about a third of our attendance every Sunday. So in our church, we have between four and 5,000 here on a Sunday. I'm going to preach to 13 to 1,500 of them, and other people are preaching to all the rest of the people. So we've got to develop a system where these other guys who see themselves as an extension, not an alternative to our leadership, they've got to be pushing the same vision and the same ideas. So to do that, we have a lot of meetings and we collaborate. So we have a preaching retreat every year and we go out there every year and we spend four days and we pray and we look at the Bible and we look at commentaries and we decide our preaching calendar for the next 18 months. That's a big deal for us. So Jimmy, a lot of these guys listen today, they're like, well, Jimmy, you just said, you just contradicted yourself. You said you're the guy that's that casting the vision. All right. But how are you doing? If you're preaching to just one campus of 1,300, you've got four or 5,000 people. How are you actually casting vision? Talk to us a little bit about the preaching meeting and yeah. how you're actually casting vision. Well, the preaching retreat is where we decide what we're going to preach on. That's part of it. Then the preaching meeting every week um, where we actually decide the actual outline that we're going to preach the following Sunday because we preach off of a fill-in-the-blank outline in our programs. And all of our preachers... Uh, They preach off the same fill-in-the-blank outline. We use the same text. We have the same series, the same main idea. We use the same graphics or whatever we're going to use. But every preacher has the opportunity to have their their, their own personal introduction, their own conclusion, give the invitation their own way, have their own illustrations, and they'll have different points of emphasis so that our, our sermon, like our congregation, will have a family resemblance, a strong family resemblance to the other sermons that are preached that day at the family churches. But it will be unique, and it'll be the preacher preaching these ideas in his own voice that he has helped collaboratively to develop in the first place. So we have to have a lot of meetings, and honestly, it's a lot of work. Video venue would be a lot easier because I would just develop my own sermon, then I would preach it to everybody. This takes a lot more work, but we do it because we think it's it's uh, it's very effective. So I meet with these guys, and in that, we're doing life together. We're talking about all sorts of things. We have all sorts of you know, we're, we're chasing rabbits everywhere on conversations, just talking about pastoring churches. But Steve, I focus a lot on the air war, driving the vision, how we're going to drive vision through sermons, how we're going to talk about the things that are important in our church. But you are what we call the ground war general. And you also meet with this same group of guys in a separate meeting from the preaching meeting. And you meet with them every week and you focus on the ground war. So I'm talking about driving vision from the pulpit. But you were talking about some other things. What kind of things do you guys talk about in your ground war meetings? Okay, so what, when we talk about the ground war, basically what we're talking about is when we the ground war is where the vision of the church catches traction. And so, Jimmy, if you were to kind of play this out and you say, well, we've casted vision. Jimmy has casted vision for our congregation. He wants to see every person in every neighborhood have repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel. That yep. would be a vision cast Absolutely. from Jimmy Scroggins. Jimmy would teach that to our campus pastors and they would, you know, have buy-in and ownership of that vision. But what does that look like for us to filter that down to our entire church? So when I'm with these guys, we're asking the questions of, all right, how how is our facility guys, our how are our teams that are working with the orchestra, the guys that are working with their praise teams or, or choirs if they have one, how are our teams, how are our churches doing with preschool, children, students, adults? How are all of them embracing this vision? How are they actually being trained? What type of accountability and metrics are in place? And so when I'm in that meeting with with these campus pastors, we're having that discussion because we don't want this to just be a vision cast where, you know, the pastor gets up and the veins on the side of his neck are popping out. He's 
we've got to reach the whole South right, Florida. Right, and, we've right, got to, right. and everybody's sitting there feeling guilty. They're like, yeah, you know, we probably should do that. But they've not been trained. They don't know how to do it. They right. don't know how to have these conversations. So we're actually having those those conversations. And, you know, when you think about the entire organization uh, moving forward, this is how the grain war, the, ga- the ground war is a game changer because it says to every pastor and to every ministry area, hey, we have to own the vision of our church. And this is really big. So, for example, when we get ready to go to kids camp, every single one of our pastors goes to kids camp. When we have student camp, we all go to student camp. When uh, our worship team says we're going to produce a worship CD, our campus pastors and our ministry leaders, we're actually having conversations about, hey, how can we own this piece of our vision so that we move it forward? And Steve, one of the things that you do, many of these guys every week, you guys do troubleshooting, right? Oh yeah, a lot so you're of you're talking about where they're stuck. They're asking you very specific questions about what do I do when one of our key leaders is upset about this? And what about, how, how do I work with the principal of the school that we're renting from? And how about my, my worship guy showed up late this week? And how do I, so, so you are actually working nuts and bolts coaching these guys through their pastoral responsibilities. Yeah, you have to remember, Jimmy, that our our idea of bringing in and training pastors that live here locally, you know, these guys are what we would call neophytes. I mean, these guys are first timers. I mean, it's first time up at bat for many of them as they're pastoring these churches. And and it's not that they do not have the capacity to do it. They've just never done it before. Right. And so when they have, you know, some, you know, a church member get mad at them or if they have, they're, you know, trying to identify new guests as they arrive, as they're trying to get people to first connection, as they're trying to, you know, work with getting people to baptism and move them through discipleship and move their church forward with uh, a mission and vision of, of reaching their community and making new disciples. We're constantly having those conversations because, a lot of them need to be trained. A lot of these guys need to be coached. And, you know, you just think about just the myriad of problems that you have as a pastor. I mean, what do you do when you're having issues with your own children, with your own marriage? Right. right. These are the conversations that we're having with these guys on a weekly basis. And so it's a lot of fun. And quite honestly, it's messy. It's very messy. There, There's a lot of times that we go off the reservation and we have to, you know, discipline and love these guys, hold them accountable, but it's a lot of fun and it's an honor to do it. Well, Steve, we're going to keep talking about multi-site over the next several episodes. Uh, One way that we do multi-site is we make sure we get a lot of hooks in the water. And our next episode, we're going to talk about four different ways that we have done multi-site, four different approaches to multi-site that we have experimented with and are experimenting with up to this stage. So I look forward to continuing that conversation To our listeners on Church for the Rest of Us, we hope you'll let us know your thoughts and give us your feedback at familychurchnetwork.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back at you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.